This podcast on 97.3 The Fan is brought to you by Hamul Casino, San Diego's closest casino. Real close, real friendly, real fun. So I saw yesterday, final hour of Ben and Woods, Raiders fans obviously are displeased at their team's 2-7 and seven record, losing to the Indianapolis Colts. Did you see the comments from Mark Davis? I did. Owner? I did. The old semi-vote of the confidence. The vote of confidence. It was more than that, though. It was the quote that he attached to Josh McDaniels in, in saying he will be back in 2023. He's the, he's the coach. We're not looking to make a change. But he said... Rome wasn't built in a day. It's wisdom. It really is. That is a that is wise to not. You can't expect instant results, but that is not how we treat our sports teams generally in this country. We want we want now. We want to win, and we want to win now. And if you're not winning right away, we're going to bring in someone else who can. The patience for a guy who's struggling. Tends to be very low, but it's different in professional sports. It's certainly different with Josh McDaniel than it would have been with another head coach, right? It, it was different because it's the it's the Charlie Weiss to Notre Dame thing, Ben. The expectations when you hire somebody like that, the brilliant, brilliant offensive mind. What do you think the first thing I thought when the Irish hired hired Charlie Weiss away from the Patriots and in his first press conference he said, we will have a decided schematic advantage over every other team in college football. What happened to my expectations? They went through the roof. And I thought to myself, this is the architect of the Patriots offense that we will now be running at my favorite university. One of the few that I did not actually attend. The University of Notre Dame. He was one of the first. And yeah. since then, we found out that Bill Belichick assistants are not that good. But he was like, Charlie Weiss was like, Correct. he was going to be great. And so I think if you're a Raider fan and you go out and you get Josh McDaniels and you are, you're elated, right? There's not one person I would imagine that was a Raider fan that said, oh, this is the wrong hire. No, man, you started salivating, and you got giddy, and you started looking at the schedule, and you went out and got you know good receivers, and you, you, you're like, okay, the expectations now they certainly weren't two and seven; they were way, way higher. And I think they made the playoffs last year. Yeah, yeah, and I, but I think the the expectate when the expectations go like I have more, I have more and had more expectations for Bob Melvin than I did for Jace Tingler. I did. The fact that we made the playoffs in the short season under Jay Stingler, that was a cool thing. That being said, Bob Melvin, you bring in Bob Melvin, I want to win a World Series. I want to win a World Series, and anything short of that, you're kind of like, all right, well, we had nice stepping stone this year, but this year, 2023, I expect more. You know, I um, I liked, though, when I saw Derek Carr get kind of teary, and he didn't throw the coaching staff. He was asked. No, he said. He said, no, I, we, love, we love these coaches. It's not the coaching. There's probably some... Maybe injury issues, things that we don't know about sure. that are probably hurting the Raiders that they don't talk about necessarily during the season. And I'll I'll, I'll give uh, Mark Davis some praise for looking at the big picture, not overreacting as some owners do, and having the hair trigger 
on changing a coach that you know you, you believed in, you hired him for a reason. You can you can suffer through a bad season. Every team has a bad you know unlucky season, bad injuries. It just doesn't work out. Doesn't necessarily mean the coach was a bad coach. Yeah, it's exactly right. Here's uh, David Carr from Sunday. Um, I love I love Josh. I love the car. I love our coaches. Um, they've had nothing but success. You know, way more success than I've ever had. You know, and uh, you know I'm sorry. Derek, um, you know, I'm, oh, sorry. Oh, all to right. finish that, just let him. Yeah. Sorry for being emotional. I'm just pissed off about some of the things, you know, that a lot of us try and do just to practice what we put our bodies through just to sleep at night. Question. And for that to be the nope, result of all that effort, let, give him a minute. Pisses me off. Pisses a lot of guys off. Now, it's hard. Help. Sorry. Knowing what <clears throat> some guys are doing, like I said, just to practice what they're putting in their body, just to sleep at night, like just so we can be there for each other. It sounds like a minister. <laughs> I feel like he's. Uh... And I wish everybody in that room felt the same way about this place. And as a leader, that pisses me off, if I'm being honest. I feel like he's reading from a TV drama script a little bit. Really? Like, hey, you got the part. Good job. (laughs) We'll call your agent and work out the details. uh, Report for That was the emotional monologue scene. How'd I do? How'd I do? I can do it again. I can do it again. Hang on. I I really, I I overplayed my hand there. Let me get into character. Me, yeah. <laughs> All right, you've just lost your seventh game okay. of the season. All right. You're really angry and okay. upset. Go. Just pissed off, man. I got to If y'all uh if y'all only knew the kinds of things that I mean, I I can't even get out of bed in the morning. I, I, it's Derek, I, um just one no, more. You're not done. Oh. I if I like I was saying I mean Y'all don't even know what we go through as professional athletes. Just to get out of bed, man. Do you have Do you have trouble walking to your car? Because I do. I do. Just try to practice, man. I, I don't want to minimize. It, it's his life. It's his livelihood. He wants to do well. It's a football season. There's going to be teams every year that have bad years and don't make the playoffs. You're not, you're not going to be the one every year. And This is maybe just one of those years for the Raiders. By the way, I checked it. Uh, do you have any idea what Charlie Weiss is doing now? Collecting money from Notre Dame. I know that. <laughs> Radio host. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we will have a decided schematic advantage on the ratings every single month. <laughs> thief. This is an absolute thief of joy and money. That man. They were terrible. Let's get some headlines from Polly. And get things started here. With our edition, today's edition oh, of boy. the Rindle Report. Now tuned into the motherfucking greatest. Welcome to the Rindle Report. 
with Paul Rindel. Hi, Paul. All right. Two stories from the world of sports that we haven't gotten to yet. We'll start off in Major League Baseball. And one story that you didn't know you needed. Are you laughing, Biatch? It's the Rindel Report. Hey, Paul, how you doing? On 97.3 The Fan. Are you ready to bless the mood? I need some help, please. <laughs> that was good. Can I get a yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maggie tweets, oh my god, I had not heard that Derek Carr dramatic soliloquy. <laughs> it was it was something, man. Yeah, I'm not making fun of him. It just it's it's, it's how we are right now. Sports. It is the Rhino Report. It's brought to you by your San Diego Soccers. Another season of fast-paced, high-scoring indoor action is here. The home opener is coming up on Sunday, December eleventh at Pachanga Arena. Gentlemen, we'll start off with the San Diego State Aztecs. A couple of accolades for some of their players. First in football, Jalen Maiden, named Mountain West Offensive Player of the Week. And on the court, Aztecs... Uh, I mean, their newcomer. safety was named Offensive Player of the Week? <laughs> yeah, wow. he's a quarterback now. Oh, it's okay. really, it's pretty <laughs> remarkable what's happening <laughs> at Snapdragon Stadium. And then uh, for the Hoops team, Darian Trammell, the newcomer, he was named Mountain West's player of the week after two really I'm, I'm trying to train myself. I believe it's Darion. Darion. Darion Trammell. Trammell. Not Darion. Not Darion. Darion, Darion Trammell. Not Darion Trammell. It's Darion Trammell. Darion. Either way, he's, he's, made, se- he's made seven of ten three-pointers. I couldn't tell you the last time anyone at San Diego State made seven of ten three-pointers <laughs> in their life. It just feels like it's a team that never makes their threes, and it's good to finally have... James Rahan, like 12 years yeah, ago. Yeah, maybe. A, a kid who actually can make some three-pointers. Um, he, he comes off the bench? No, he started. No, he started. He started. Okay. Uh, yeah. Ladee came off Ladee, the bench. Ladee, yes. he's the one that had the Against monster. Against BYU, that's put right. up like 23. That's right. It's going to be a fun team. He's an athletic I'm monster. To, I'm, I'm already a, two games in, and I'm already re- starting to buy re- into re- some re- of that you're going to, hype. You're going to... Ben's got you. <laughs> Remember, they're, they're the 17th-ranked team in the country. They've won their first two games. Matt Bradley's been terrible. Three of 16 in his last game. Yeah. We know he's way better than that. And Kishatsin, uh bruised his shoulder. He barely played in the last game. He's one of the most athletic best players on the team. They are loaded. Deep. I deep, told deep, you, they, this is a loaded team. Next game's tonight, right? Tonight. tonight. Yeah, tonight. tough one. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Tough one to watch, too. Get to that a little bit later. Um, Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield are in the news this week. They have launched... Some cannabis-infused edibles called <laughs> Holy Ears. Holy Ears. It's really Mike, were you really sick this week? What was the problem? Oh, I broke my back. Yes. What, what do you mean by that? Your back, back is broken. What, uh, a vertebrae or, or well, what portion? Spinal. Spinal. Let's be honest, pretty much just an excuse to play that. Anytime. Anytime and every time, it's always great. So we talked about this off the air earlier today or maybe even yesterday, and Woodsy, you're like, I thought we've already done this. So He did some. He did this. Tyson 2.0, that's Mike Tyson's cannabis company that he owns, and they are selling, we've talked about this in the past, they're called Mike Bites. Mike Bites. <laughs> and they're little gummies shaped like ears with a bite mark. Um, Karma Holdings is like the parent company, and they're planning to release Evander Holyfield's own line so of his. cannabis products in 2023. Okay. So they're kind of combining under the Karma Holdings umbrella for Holy Ears. Holy Ears. Holy Ears. 
Sounds like a curse that you would say. Paula, you were just a wee lad 25 years ago when that happened. That was an insane story. I was watching it live. Oh, you, you were watching? I was watching it live, and I was blown. I was watching it live. I was blown away. I was seven years old. I was very little, but I do remember pretty much any time either of those guys fought, my, my parents, who, like, we weren't boxing family but like my parents and friends of theirs would all we'd all get together at somebody's house whoever had the biggest tv and you'd pay for the the yeah, pay-per-view, pay-per-view. And, 1995 yeah. and, and get after it where they would all just like hang out and have their dinner party and it was just like we'd all hang out in the tv room Watch and the just, box. hey let us know Tyson or Holyfield. When yeah. you hear those names, come get us. And we want to watch that fight. Can you imagine only paying twenty bucks? I know for a fight. For a fight. Now so, it's like a hundred. So they're partnering up and they're putting out different ears. Says uh, from Mike bites to Holy ears. Now cannabis fans around the world can experience the same wellness benefits that plant-based products have brought me. That's from Mike Tyson, adding it's a privilege to reunite with Evander Holyfield. Holyfield said, "Mike and I have a long history of competition and respect for one another." That night changed both of our lives. Back then, we didn't realize that even as power athletes, we were also in a lot of pain. Now, 20 years later, we have the opportunity to share the medicine we really needed throughout our careers. Let me bite your ear just a little. Just a little. I wouldn't forgive you. Come here. Even 25 years later. Let me do a little one. I'll show you how bad it hurts. I know it would hurt. I don't need to be... I don't need an example of how bad it's going to hurt. Can I bite just a little? Just to show you. No, my ears are very sensitive. They should have done Tyson's teeth and Holyfield's ear. You put them together, <laughs> and you get holy ears. But I then you might overdose if you took too much. You can't overdose. <laughs> Just going to get really sleepy or yeah, really hungry. Eat, yeah, eat a lot of Doritos and fall asleep. <laughs> and in my case, stay up all night because I'm the one human alive that, that makes me do that. It does the opposite. It does the opposite. Finally, uh, it's almost that time of year, boys. Some Christmas stories probably going to be uh, making their way into the Rind Report. And love I saw it. this love today. It, the house from A Christmas Story is on the market. And it's not just the house that was filmed for Ralphie and and company. Uh, you're actually getting an entire lot. It's over, it's like 1.3 acres. You get the house. There's also a museum for the movie. I mean, it's an iconic, iconic. Where is Christmas it? Movie. It is in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. You get the museum. So you get the house, the museum, a gift shop, and a couple of different parking lots, and it's a total of 1.3 acres. And there's no listing price on the website. You have to call the listing agent and all that. Um, but the current owner says that they are looking for the right buyer. It's an interesting property to not only own, but you also have to take care of the piece as, or take care of it as a piece of Americana. It's going to be an interesting journey. That was from the owner. So, yeah, you get the museum, props, costumes from the movie. There's a gift shop, parking lots, and all that. What are your thoughts on A Christmas Story? Oh, it's great. Great Christmas movie. I like it, too. I, I've revisited it. Very, oh, it was very it. awkward. I remember watching it as a kid, feeling very Cause awkward. Because of why? Just the, the no, leg lamp? Just, you know, kids. Just the awkwardness of being a kid. Wanting something so badly for Christmas. You'll shoot your eye out. Yep. I mean, we have our Christmas. Did you guys have BB guns at all as oh, kids? Yeah. I had a pellet rifle. You did. Never and you did not. 
never allowed. Really? Then that that stopped you in Not Texas. Being in allowed Texas. to do yeah, because I didn't have money. I couldn't go to the dime store. I figured, and buy in, my own. I figured in Texas it was almost like mandatory that your child. We had pellet had guns that have like the, the pointed up. tip yeah, on the them. Pointed, not, not my brother, now my brother did. I didn't get any of that. You, I, your brother was allowed no. to have weaponry. Yes, and you were not. Correct. They knew. What does that say about you? Because my parents knew. They absolutely knew. Um, I like. I both and I have been watching it, and he really likes it. And you get burned out on it when TBS does the twenty-four hours yeah. every year. But we're doing our Christmas. You don't have to watch the whole thing. No, you just watch a little bit. You watch. Uh, you. It, <laughs> We're doing our Christmas show on December 16th. It'd be fun to try to get... Because they're doing a, a sequel to yes. it. It's, they've been talking about it on Netflix, I think. it comes I think. out this week. It comes out this week. So I'm interested in watching that. It's going it, to be fun to see who they bring back. But, Paulie, if we could get... We always want like an actor or something from... You know, You've tasked me with like Chevy Chase, yeah, get Chevy Bill Chase. Murray, Will yes, Ferrell get Bill Murray. Yes, get Will Ferrell from Elf. <laughs> yes. I mean, let's shoot for the stars. Uh, but try to get somebody from Christmas Story on. I'd love to, because, you know, they're going to want to promote the, the new one. That'd that's be good. fair. That that might be a little bit easier than somebody from a movie that's, you know, 30 years old. I mean, Will Ferrell would be great. Elf is one of my favorites, too. Do you like Elf, Ben? Uh, I've only seen Elf once. Okay. I don't think Did it was like my it? absolute favorite. I do like James Caan. He's great in yeah. it. <laughs> great in it. All right. I love Grinch. See, Daniel is Stern fantastic. is in the new Christmas story. Oh, he is. Who was also, of course, in Home Alone. Daniel Stern would be a great get. D. Stern. All right. Which All right. is, I think, a great Christmas movie. Cool. Home Alone? Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, Peter Billingsley still doing his thing. Part two is great, too. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Scott Farkas. Scott Farkas. <laughs> the bully, the redhead bully. It's great. All right. Christmas see story. See what I can do. All right, see what you can do. Martin Perez is off the table, Ben. One of your really one uh, of your key resigned. Uh, yeah, he took the qualifying offer All right, from the Texas the 19 Rangers. Million? Yep. So Martin I didn't, Perez. I, once he was offered it, I don't think I wanted to give up draft pick compensation for Martin Perez. For Martin Perez, but uh, yeah. It's good so to now know. you could have Jacob Degrom and Martin Perez leading your rotation in Texas. All guests on Ben Woods appear on the Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. Save money the right way with Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Visit them today in the Carlsbad Auto Mall, Chevrolet Find Who Roads. Mention San Diego State. Do have a big game tonight. Yes, it might be difficult for some here in San Diego to watch. We will talk about that coming up next after a check of traffic here on 97.3 The Fan. Also, I have a very sad update I forgot to tell you guys about. Very sad. Don't miss this. Listening to the uh, sounds of flamenco guitarist Ben Woods. Now, Ben Woods, we have a merch store online, and we've said, hey, listen, when you want to find our merch store, you just Google Ben and Woods merch. 
if you don't put the and in there, you would go to Ben Wood's website and page. And he's a was a very talented flamenco was. guitarist. What? Yeah. Got an update over the weekend. One of our tier one sent it to me. He goes, dude, Ben Wood's passed away. And I said, you're kidding. So I had to go and Google it for myself. Ben Woods, uh, yeah, flamenco guitarist, passed away after a fierce battle with cancer. And, uh, yeah, sad, man. Like, he, we played his stuff on our show because, well, obviously, Ben Woods and Ben and Woods. And- do you think he had any idea who we are or that we existed? Uh, no, I do wonder, though. I, I'm sure people have found him looking for Accidentally. us. Accidentally. Yeah, or maybe found us looking for a flamenco guitar player. But he was really talented, man. Very, very talented guy. So, uh, shout I out. I just feel like I'm eating tapas. Yeah, in Barcelona, with Adam Jones, right? One hundred percent. It's flamenco is beautiful, and really tough to play. Shout out to his family, Ben Woods. Where's your guitar? I would like to. Oh, here it is. Can yeah. you shout out to his family? Flamenco in honor of Ben Woods. Woods of Ben and Woods playing Ben Woods, ben Woods as a tribute to Ben Woods here on ninety-seven-three. The fan. I need a pick is what I need. That's not going to work. Oh, yeah, there we go. I hear it. (laughs) Don't get me started, dude. All right, I'll interrupt with a little uh, reminder that you can... Well, first I'll remind you, you can take a pair of best friends separated by 500 miles, but united by their love of football, and give them a podcast to get first in pod. Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi get you ready for this week's matchups with previews on every game. Give them 40 minutes, they'll give you the league. New episodes every Monday and Friday. Follow first in pod on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Every liner should have some flamenco behind it. It's a good idea. The face I'm giving you right now. <laughs> Very few San Diego radio shows have a in-house flamenco guitar player. So I'm glad we can take advantage of your skills here. You're not as good as Ben Woods, no. unfortunately. But you haven't been practicing your flamenco that much. Not, so even, pretty good, not even in the slightest. Pretty good for just picking it up just and grabbing it, throwing down some flamenco tunes. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful art form. Uh, but, yeah, Ben Woods passed away. Uh, tonight, the San Diego State Aztecs will try to improve to 3-0, and 17th ranked in the country. They're visiting Stanford up at Maples Pavilion. 6 o'clock start, uh, but it is televised on the uh, sometimes hard-to-get Pac-12 network. Um, I get it at work, so I will be I able to watch it. I think I get it at home, don't I? I don't know. Everyone always wonders whether they have the Pac-12 network or not. DirecTV has it. Cox does not. Oh, cool. Then I don't. No, I, Cox, I Cox so. has it. Cox I, has it. Maybe uh, at least on the high around. digital tiers, they've got it for sure. Is it one of those I have to pay for? Yeah, I don't know that you can even have the option of paying for it. Cool. I feel like it's not available at all on DirecTV, I think. So is there... Can I watch it on my phone somewhere? I don't think so, but go ahead and try this is if great. you'd like to. Yeah. Cool. Pac-12 streaming network at some point. I'll get up extra early and read the paper and see what happened. (laughs) Mark Ziegler will have that for me. Aztecs are favored by five. Um, 
it's probably going to be a very different atmosphere. Players were asked about it uh, last week before uh, the BYU game. They said, yeah, you're going to have this great crowd for the BYU game. Stanford does not draw a ton of people, especially midweek basketball sort of thing. So probably going to be a bit of a, a, a sanitary environment up at Maples Pavilion for the Aztecs. Will that be difficult for them to get up, or is that a good thing? When you're on the road, you don't want a bunch of lunatics yelling at you the whole game. So we'll see how they respond to that, but uh, it's the first true road Well, you'll game see, of the because you can watch it at work. Paul and I won't I will. be able to watch yes. it. Um, and then after that, they're going to head to Maui for the Maui Invitational Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday next week. Not the worst trip to pack for. No, right no, short you week. You would know, actually. Nobody's short. been to Maui more than you in the last calendar year. Short <laughs> week next week. Uh, but Did uh, they bring you on as a consultant on how to travel I should, to yeah. I, got, I got plenty of expertise. <laughs> well, they bring me back some chocolate-covered macadamia nuts, because you sure did. I did not. <laughs> Any other trips to Maui in the near future? Nothing, Nothing planned okay. right now. All right. Never know. Although I would love to go see that tournament sometime. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. It's hard to get really in. Cool. There's only like a few hundred seats in that gym that they play, so I think tickets are actually quite expensive I bet. for the Maui Invitational if you're there. So, yeah, Aztecs play Ohio State on Monday. I had a chance to catch up with Jeff Blum, who is a broadcaster for the Astros coming off their World Series title. Really fun conversation. We'll bring that uh, back for you next in our last segment. It's just ahead with Ben Woods on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. If you want, all on the free Odyssey app. You can download it today. Polly just said, I uh, got another old friend going to be joining us tomorrow, 8 a.m. Love that time of year. You just catch up with old friends. Catch up with uh, a baseball free agent hitting the open market after, I think, a pretty decent season. Yeah. Matt Strom is going to be with us tomorrow here on Love Strauman. Strauman, Stammen, Strauman, Strauman. One of our best uh, flubs. Always enjoy a, a conversation with Matt. So he'll be with us at 8 o'clock. Had an old friend join us earlier today. Our conversation with Astros broadcaster, post-World Series, Jeff Blum, right after this check of traffic on 97.3 The Fan. And joining us right now in our premier Chevrolet of Girls Bad Fan Hotline, former Major Leaguer, former Padre, now Astros broadcaster, Jeff Blum, back with us on Ben and Woods on 97.3 The Fan. Blummer, good morning. It's always good to have you on. It's always good to be on with you guys. I appreciate it. Good to hear from you. It, you know, we were actually pretty close to a Padres Astros World Series this year. Would have been nice to have you at Petco Park. In hindsight, after seeing how the series went against the Phillies, do you think it would have been any different had Padres been the opponent for the Astros in the World Series? Um, I th- 
that's a really good question. I think it would have been very interesting. You have a guy on the Padres who has experience of winning in the World Series in, uh, you know, in Juan Soto. So I think it would have been interesting to see if, if he could have conjured up any of that magic from 2019 when he was a Washington National. And then, of course, having Joe Musgrove come back and pitch in a ballpark that he grew up in would have been very interesting. I think the storylines would have been great. But at the same time, I think we found out that uh, the Astros pitching staff, no matter who they're facing, was going to be very good. But it would have just come down to which defense or which offense was going to be able to overcome that. And uh, we, you know, we saw the Astros be able to step up with the experience. But there is one person in this city that was actually cheering for that. Uh, having been uh, an ex-Padre and uh, current Astro broadcaster, I was certainly cheering for the opportunity to get back into Petco Park and say hi to some old friends. I bet, man, and it was—I mean, it was a—it was wild. The 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 playoff for us, you know, covering the team, and I was thinking about it driving in this morning, Blummer, and I miss that feeling—that that feeling of game day, and you're driving into work, and I'm sure it was the same for you, just you know, biting your chewing your fingernails off, just a, kind of a nervous wreck to see how it was all going to play out. Um, there's a sense of relief when it's over, and it's got to be even bigger relief when you actually win the chip, uh, which you guys did and certainly earned. And I, I was as hard on the Astros as anybody, but I've I've even softened over the years, kind of like, all right, it's it's over. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, you know, uh, at all. And and those guys went out and they earned it this year. And that pitching staff was an embarrassment of riches. I mean, it was like, oh, he's not getting the job done. Let's go to this guy. He had he had seven quality starters that teams would kill for. Yeah, and, and just real quick, it was great to see that the city of San Diego with the Padres in it, seeing them go out there and try and put a, a team out there that's going to go out there and compete. And I know it was it was probably pretty sweet to go out there and beat the Dodgers because I remember, like you said, having Petco Park packed for some of those, uh, you know, that uh, the postseason appearances we had against the St. Louis Cardinals and then some of the competition between the Dodgers and Padres, that's one of the maybe less talked about rivalries. It was a blast always to play in Petco in that environment. So I can only imagine what it was like in that championship series. So credit to the San Diego Padres and fans for getting out there and trying to encourage those guys. But at the same time, you know, sitting here in, in Houston and watching and trying to prognosticate, can they, can they repeat next year? You know, what pieces are they losing? What are they, what are they going to have to go out and get? And you sit back, and like you said, it is an embarrassment of riches because they went out and signed Rafael Montero to bolster, continue to bolster their bullpen. And they have some unbelievable depth in their bullpen. They've got some big names like Brian Abreu, who really kind of emerged onto the scene. They've got a closer in Ryan Presley that's going to be there for another year or two. But these guys have set themselves up to be successful for the next, again, amazingly, next two or three years with some of the guys they've signed. They've got Altuve. They've got Bregman. Uh, Jeremy Pena is a rookie and under club control for the next five years. So these guys are set up very nicely, even with the consideration that they possibly might lose Justin Verlander to somebody else. Yeah, there's no question. We're talking to our pal Jeff Blum here on uh, Ben and Woods this morning. And, you know, one of the guys, uh, the architects of that, James Click, um, one-year deal, rejected it. He's going to be going on to, to, I can't say greener pastures. I guess I'd just say other pastures <laughs> because the pastures in Houston seemingly are very, very green right now. I, you know, I don't, I don't know how much you can talk about it or, or what you know, but uh, I did find it interesting. But it also seems to be kind of the Astros' way. Like, we always... We always laud the Patriots, right? Boy, they know when to 
they know when to let a guy go, right? And and mm-hmm. and being able to say we trust in Jeremy Pena, we're going to let Carlos Correa, who is an absolute spark plug, we're going to let him go. We're going to let him walk. And they were rewarded with a World Series. Do you get the same vibe with James Click, or was it just kind of a uh, you know difference of opinion? Um, I think it was a little bit of both. And to be honest, I, I enjoyed James Click. He was a wonderful conversation about baseball. Uh, did a good job with the analytics side. He also did a very good job of bringing back scouts to the organization. That was one thing Jeff Luno started to eliminate was the using of scouts. And I think James tried to really get eyes on guys to see if they matched up with some of the analytic numbers they were seeing in return. But he was also brought into a tough situation. Back in 2020 when the scandal broke, you know, Jim Crane was in a tough spot. He needed a manager. He needed a, a general manager immediately. And he got lucky with Dusty Baker being available at the time. So that's worked out incredibly well. But at the same time, it wasn't a panic move, but I think it was a very abrupt move to bring uh, James Click in. So you brought in the guy that looked good on paper and you had no idea about the personality. And I think eventually, you know, Jim Crane is is a very aggressive owner in the sense that he wants to win. He likes to have to be involved. And I think the idea of what, Jim wanted to do as opposed to how James wanted to handle it is what created a little bit of uh, friction. And unfortunately they weren't able to work through that. Jim offered James a a one-year deal. And I think James click understood that the writing was on the wall with a one-year deal that he could possibly be out at the end of it and didn't want to take it. Wanted a little more security. So you can't blame him in that sense. But also it was just a really tough situation because you already had a team in place, like you said, and he really wasn't. He really didn't take advantage of any opportunities to really go out there and make a big splash. Yet he won a World Series. Chatting with Astros broadcaster Jeff Blum here on Ben and Woods, and uh, you mentioned Dusty Baker. So, I, is it cynical of me? I mean, I love Dusty, and I thought it was a great hire for the Astros at that time. They needed someone with a good image, a good reputation to stabilize things. But I also thought at the time that that's. That was kind of why they brought Dusty in. It wasn't necessarily because they thought he was going to be the best chance to win the World Series. They needed the right guy, though. He turned out to be both of those guys, though, at the same time. Did that surprise anybody? Um, I don't know if it surprised anybody because we, we because like you just said, you know, when he came in in 2020, he came in because of because of his reputation as a player, because of his reputation as a manager, just being a good manager. But at the same time, there hasn't been – I don't think there's been anybody in the history of the game that's known Dusty Baker that has gotten mad at him. You know, you can you can question what he does on the field as far as uh, player personnel moves and things like that, but you're never going to get mad at Dusty Baker. He's, he's a masterful in front of the media, tells a great story, is beloved in, within the game between both management, players, and media. So he, his, his initial purpose was to deflect a lot of negative attention from this ball club and I think he did that over the last two or three years. And what that kind of progressed and turned into or evolved into was this great paternal figure that created a lot of trust in that clubhouse between player and manager. And I think as soon as Dusty understood that he got past all of the controversy and understood that he had a really, really good team here, he figured out how to maneuver this ball club and put them in great positions. And he did a great job in the postseason with some of the moves he made and developed a lot of trust with these guys and where he convinced them to go out there and play hard enough to get him that first World Series championship. But you're right in the sense that it kind of it, it kind of morphed into 
we need we need a we need a front man that can kind of deflect some of the negativity that turned into a pretty good manager with this ball club. He was a nice fit. Yeah, he really was, man. And and yeah, he was one of the guys I was obviously most happy uh, to see win it. Talking to Jeff Blum here on Ben and Woods this morning, and uh, so Blummer. The the game, as you know it, has changed, right, since you played, uh, different rules mm-hmm. and, and, and certainly, and it's going to change again. <laughs> you know, you as a broadcaster, <laughs> we as, as morning show hosts and avid, avid fans, we're all going to have to get used to, you know, the, the bigger base thing doesn't do a lot for me. Great. If it works, it works fine. The elimination of the shift, though, I, I, I look at that and I think about certain players that jump into my head and... Think about all those 120-mile-an-hour ground balls Juan Soto hit into the shift in the playoffs, and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe uh, maybe there's a little something here. What are your kind of thoughts on that? I mean, you were, you were an infielder too, right? So you, you, you've got to have some thoughts on this stuff. No, I definitely do. The shift is a big one for me. I know the pitch clock is just going to be a little more entertaining in the sense that guys are going to be running to the plate. Pitchers are going to be working crazy fast. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's going to create some serious antics, uh, I, I think, and put a lot of pressure on the umpires. But I'm with you because the shift has always been fascinating to me. And, you know, it didn't really start to happen until I was out of baseball where they started these drastic shifts where you put in, you know, four outfielders or three guys on one side of the infield. And now you you take that away from them. So a lot of these analytic departments are going to have to work a little bit harder to try and figure out how to work within the new rules. But I do think it definitely benefits the left-handed hitters, like a guy, especially a guy like Juan Soto, who you know can pull a ball at 120 miles an hour, like you're talking about, not see the reward because there's a rover playing shallow right field. And left-handed hitters are the ones that, uh, that will benefit the most from this shift situation because. If you're a right-handed hitter, you can't put your shortstop in left center or left field because it's such a far throw. A left-handed hitter, you can put that second baseman in right field because they can actually make that throw in time to get the runner at first base. Yeah. So keeping everybody on the infield, keeping two guys on each side of the field is going to definitely open up some holes. And I think Soto is a better a better talking point for me than a guy like Joey Gallo or right. you know some of these other monster left-handed hitters because – Juan Soto is a high contact guy. You know, these these rules aren't creating contact. So the guys like Juan Soto who have great at-bats, put together contact, those are the guys that are going to benefit. So I think Juan Soto, you haven't seen the best of him yet. You may see the best next year in San Diego. Ooh, good stuff. Talk, talking to Blummer now. Uh, while you were talking, Jeff, Woods asked me to ask a question. I don't know why. He's sitting right there, but I guess he feels like he's asked too many questions already. Yes. And then fed me a question to ask you. Yes. Normally I would kind of bristle at that, but it was actually a decent question. So from Woods through me. My conduit. Yeah. Um, so one, nice thing, disclaimer. One, one thing that the Padres, I think, could do a better job of is developing their own players from the minor leagues into big league stars. The Astros seemingly have had a lot of success, whether it be international signings. AJ's, you know, made a splash with international signings, but haven't necessarily seen those guys graduate to the big leagues. He's traded some of them for good pieces. What is it that the Astros do so well that has turned these guys into stars on the big league level? It's a brilliant question, by the way. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I was say I don't know why he was so scared to ask this question, man. That was a good question. Well, I think you should have just you should have totally just rebuffed him and said, No, I'm gonna make this mine. <laughs> but it's it's a really good question, and it's one of the things that I've actually had a lot of fun sitting here and watching in this organization because I came in in 2013 when they were losing 111 games, 
But, uh, you know, Ozzo Campo is probably the, the – he is the architect of what they've done internationally. He is now with the Miami Marlins as an assistant GM. But he was a guy that would go out to – you know, he would literally travel the world. And, you know, he would scout these guys with his eyeballs. He would do the background on them, seeing, you know, what their moms and dads did, where this athleticism came from. But I think what he did the best was – we hear a lot about international guys signing at the age of 15, 16, 17 years old, and you're trying to pluck these guys early. What Ozzo Campo did was kind of hang on a little bit and see some of these guys who were 18, 19, 20, and saw if they were maybe late bloomers or developed a little bit later than some of these other guys and took a chance on them and obviously did for an affordable price. Um, you know, there's Jose Urquidy was probably the, the most expensive international sign out of Mexico, and he signed for $100,000. You got Fromber Valdez, Christian Javier, Luis Garcia, some of these guys for ten dollars to $30,000 just to get them to come over here and play baseball, and then they develop them. But I think what the Astros have done is kind of have this great organizational. Every organization, I think, is looking for an identity, and the Astros have the identity of we are going to put together some of the toughest at-bats as far as an offense is concerned. We're not going to expand our zone. We're going to teach these kids that if you go outside the zone, you're not going to be successful, so why swing at it? They stay in the zone, and when that pitch is in the zone, they've developed swings and bat pass or whatever you want to call it to be able to get the barrel to the baseball and create damage. Yep. And then you have pitchers. They talk. They emphasize spin. They act, emphasize max velocity. They are doing some of the fine-tuning in the minor leagues to make sure that these guys are ready when they get to the big leagues. And I think another thing with the Astros is they've developed a winning culture. And a lot of these coaches that are in the big leagues now for the Astros have moved along with some of these guys that are there now and kind of created that culture at a young age saying, we want you to do well and be successful as an individual. But if you play well as a team, that individual success is going to be just a byproduct of going out there and winning. And I think that's what they've been able to, to develop is get guys up here that know how to win. And, of course, you guys have seen the game change in a sense of athleticism. The Astros do a very good job of identi- identifying athletes and turning them into ball players. That's awesome. Great man. answer. Great Woods, answer. I was going to ask you if you had any other questions you wanted me to ask Jeff Blum, but unfortunately we're out of time. <laughs> so, Jeff, thank you so much, and uh, hopefully we'll chat again soon. Thanks, Blummer. No, no, anytime. You guys are great. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> Jeff Blum on our Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. Save money the right way with Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Visit them today in the Carlsbad Auto Mall. Chevrolet, find new roads. Uh, last minute here on a Tuesday, just mentioned earlier, going to have Matt Strom joining us at 8 o'clock, and we were just going through some of our old Matt Strom audio that we'll play tomorrow. That will be a lot of fun. want to thank um, Officer Jim, who joined us at 6 a.m. to Scold Woods yes. for stopping on the freeway to retrieve his son's uh, toy elephant, Wobby, yeah, that he threw out baby. the window. Yeah, his baby. Don't ever stop in the fast lane on the freeway, apparently. I stopped on the shoulder, but I get... Right next to the fast right lane. Right next to the... The carpool fast lane. Indeed. Don't do that. It's just trying to... Trying to be not... subject to a $1,000 fine. $1,000 is worth it for my son's happiness. It's almost one-fourth of a trip to the veterinarian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> to kill your cat. Watch Jim send me a bill.
from CHP for a thousand. I mean, well, he's retired now. I think mean, you didn't even catch me. He can't <laughs> authentically, I think, find you. <laughs> Paulie, he's I got a speeding. Was that an admission of guilt? I got a speeding ticket in Arizona, and there yeah. wasn't even a cop in the car. You know, I remember so, the corner. Just a mannequin. Rules have changed clearly in law enforcement, where they don't even have to catch you in the act of a crime, and you can still pay. All right, it happened to me. Okay, Twice. so uh, <laughs> we will be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Uh, have the Aztecs game to talk about tonight against Stanford and then uh, see if anything happening in free agency. What do we have? Uh, you said today that uh, uh, the pitcher's off the market. Martin uh, Martin Perez, Perez is off the market. Accepted the qualifying offer from the Texas Going Rangers. back to the Rangers. All right, that's it for us. Coach John Kintera coming up next for executive producer Paul Reindel. And Stephen Woods, I'm Ben Higgins. Have a great rest of your Tuesday from all of us here at San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan.